Oh, my goodness. I'm just so grateful to um, everyone this Easter. Thank you for being here to celebrate um, Jesus, to celebrate what he's done in, in the world for since the beginning of time and before time. Thank you for being here to celebrate that. I also want to just thank everybody who um, just set up today. Can you guys just put your hands together and thank God for everyone who just set up today so that we could celebrate Jesus with a good brunch and so pretty and everything. Okay, my first question to you is, are you familiar with the phrase VIP? Okay, so like as in VIP seats, VIP section. Yeah, okay, good. Because I'm going to use VIP. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use it. And I didn't want you to think I was referring to virtual IP address. <laughs> Nor did I want you to think uh, biochemistry that I was referring to vasoactive intestinal peptides. Thank you, online dictionary. <laughs> so when I'm referring to VIP, I'm talking about VIP, a person of great importance or influence. That's what I'm talking about. A person of great importance or influence. And I don't think there's really a question about Jesus' VIP uh, status or for some of you, status. Him being a person of great importance or influence, uh, his resurrection is historically proven the only one of its kind. Jesus' resurrection is of such great importance that time frames have been understood and made to revolve around him, B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, in this case, 2022. <laughs> There's no contest on Jesus' VIP status. However, I do think there are questions around the VIP status of his church, of his people, of his bride. Would y'all agree? When your heart became alive so that you could say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, resurrection reality was released in your life. The resurrection power of Christ hit your heart, brought you from darkness into light. You could see the truth. You could see the truth that God actually loved you and had a plan for your life. A plan for your life in every way where you live, work, learn, and play in loving others like he does. The resurrection power of Christ hit your heart, hit your spirit. And though you couldn't explain it all at that precious moment, it still hit your heart. It was still reality. And it is still a process. It's still a process being worked out. It's still something that we're growing into, growing into resurrection reality. Uh, Kanawa and Derek Dance are celebrating birthdays today. Though they're celebrating birthdays today... They are still growing in resurrection reality. Amen. You carry the hope of Christ in you today and yet future. And because Christ was risen, you will rise also. Now, stay with me real quick. I'm going to do a quick biblical narrative. Not that we need it after all the great um, songs we've sung. But uh, just we're on the same page. You guys know that if... There was no sin in the world. There would be no need. 
there would be no need for Jesus' resurrection. Y'all know this, right? Okay. We could still have Easter egg hunts and bunny rabbits, though. We could exist. Just no need for resurrection. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin was not God's plan for humanity. Sin was the problem that had to be dealt with. Enter Jesus, the hero. The hero. The only reason why we needed a resurrection from Jesus was because he had this unique call on his life to become sin so that everyone else could become right with God. The reason the world is so jacked up is because sin or disobedience entered the world and made problems in every area of life for your relationships, for your physical health, for your home hormones, for the globe. Y'all catch my drift, right? Every area. Sin is the reason there's a war in Ukraine. Sin is the reason there's rape and divorce. Sin is the reason there's abortion. Sin is the reason there's racism. Sin is the reason there's ageism, sexism, and any other schism and ism you can think of. Sin is the reason there's sickness. Basically, what I want you to know is that the negativity we experience in the world was not God's plan. The spirit to blame for introducing sin is the enemy of men's souls called the devil, meaning the adversary, the opponent. The devil attempted to completely sabotage God's love and plan for all of humanity. And Jesus is such a big deal, what we're calling a very important person this morning, because his sacrifice paid the price tag for sin that was introduced to the world by the enemy. Your Bible says the cost of sin is death, and Christ's blood was the currency that had to be paid for the sin problem. Your Bible also says it like this, that the first Adam made a problem through his disobedience, and the second Adam, Christ Jesus, solved the problem with his perfect obedience to God. Okay, now that was a lot of condensed story from your Bible. <laughs> if you didn't already know what I was saying, I encourage you to go... Check it out for yourself where you have questions. Jesus solved real problems with his life, and we thank God for sending Jesus to the earth as a solution to put things back on path, to put things back on track, to redeem humanity from sin, and for showing us how to have a relationship with God and humanity, all of God's creation. And, folks, Ebonics intended. God ain't done sending solutions to the earth to solve problems caused by sin. I'm looking at a room full of people that God has sent to the earth to continue the work of Jesus, empowered by Christ's resurrection. You came through a mama, but you were sent to earth by God. The Lord was having conversations with you in the womb like he did with the prophet Jeremiah, getting you ready for what it would be like to walk this journey out. Wow. The Lord was getting you ready to step into purpose and calling before your body was even formed. If you hadn't heard it in a while or maybe you've never heard it before, then I'd like to be the one to tell you some good news this morning. You are a very important person to God. You are a very important person to Jesus. You are a very important person to Holy Spirit. You are a very important person 
where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play, you are a very important person to this church and God's kingdom. You are a very important person. If you are ready to receive more of a liberating word today, somebody shout, I'm VIP. Okay, about few of you are ready for that liberating word. Shout it one more time, I'm VIP. That's beautiful. All the low bass in the room. I'm VIP. Yeah. In that chat room, you guessed right. That's our short title. I'm VIP. Ebonics intended. I'm VIP. Type that short title in, and you're welcome for that short title. <laughs> I want to go deeper with you and highlight an aspect of Jesus' life that will help you walk out the process of increased resurrection power where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play as a very important person to God. Failing to not handle this critical area can mean the difference of a fulfilled life or an unfulfilled life. It's the difference between a life of purpose and calling or regret and shoulda, coulda, wouldas. It's the difference of being able to say like Jesus, it is finished or being another person in the cemetery who died with their best ideas of loving people, left undone and incomplete, dead with them. This uh, critical area your Bible deals with that enabled Jesus to go the full distance is called the fear of God, the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Now, we're going to define it biblically in just a sec, but let's pray before we go any further. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus and empowering him to complete his life's work to your glory. Oh, Lord, we want to complete our life's work of loving the world in the day in and day out, in the mundane, bringing solutions to like Jesus. Help us to be faithful with your resurrection power. We want more of your heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. This critical area your Bible deals with is the fear of God or the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Firstly, you may see it written in scripture or referred to as the fear of God or fear of the Lord. It's, it's, it's interchangeable. The fear of God for someone who doesn't believe in God has to do with the judgment of God and eternal death, which is eternal separation from God. The fear of God for someone who does believe in God is dealt with differently in your Bible. The believer's fear of God is reverence. Wow, God, you're awesome. It's, it's worship. It's awe and wonder. We used to sing a song and say, may, may we never lose the wonder of God. May we never lose the wonder of his beauty. Psalm 111 verse 10 says it like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Keep in mind what fear means. The awe. Wow, God, you're amazing. Wow. A lot of times when people will encounter the fear of the Lord in your Bible, you will see them fall into their knees, crying holy, like, whoa, what's going on? Because they would be receiving revelation, getting to see, getting a glimpse of God's heart, God's heart of himself, God's heart for another. Psalm 111.10 said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7 declares the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
that as God reveals himself to us, as we grow in understanding who God is, a, a, a reverential fear, a, 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 an I'm inspired by God. I'm in awe of who he is and what he does. That develops in our life. And and, and that's the kind of intimacy, that's the kind of relationship we want with God so that we can have, somebody say, true wisdom. Yeah, true wisdom starts with God. I said true wisdom starts with God. Check out how Deuteronomy 10, 12, 20, and 21 talks about this. God is sharing his heart with his people, Israel. Oh, and now, oh, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Believers aren't supposed to be scared of God. Believers are greatly impressed, wowed, mind blown by God. God promised that nothing could separate us from his love. He promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. Am I in the Bible? Okay. Jesus uses a slightly different application of fear that we're about to read. He's talking about fearing God versus what fearing physical harm that people can do to you is like. Check this verse out out of, out of Luke chapter 12, 4 and 5. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. That's Jesus talking. And in this context, he was preparing his friends, the disciples. He was preparing them for the physical persecution that would follow his resurrection. These folks who were following Jesus would be beaten. They would be flogged. They would be stoned. They would be imprisoned. Many of them would be killed. Yet he warned them not to let the fear of man stop them from proclaiming the gospel. So what is the fear of man outside of what people can do physically to you? Let's look at that out of Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. It says the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. A snare is a, is a lure. You like that? I have a lure. A snare is a lure or a trap. There's this, this what's the place called? Lure, that lure fish house? Lure fish house. That place is good. <laughs> a snare is a lure. Something funny about that word. Or a trap. Fishermen sometimes use snares to catch fish. Hunters use various kinds of snares to trap game. And your Bible says that Satan uses snares to trap human beings. That's what your Bible says. One of those snares is the fear of man. The fear, this kind of fear is an anxious need to receive affirmation from those around us. It's like a popularity contest gone bad. Here are the ways the fear of man shows up and is so dangerous to the completion and fulfillment of why God has you on the planet. 
The fear of man undermines your VIP status in every way. You hear me this morning? We, we like these practical resurrection messages. What is this power for? How do I walk in it? What am I supposed to do with it? What should I really know about it when I'm in a test and a trial? Amen? The fear of man looks like this. Now, the, I just jotted these down. This is not exhaustive. This is, this is just me. Uh, the fear of man shows up or manifests, you could say, the disease to please. A.K.A. people pleasing. The fear of man looks like it shows up a spirit or attitude of compromise. The fear of man shows up or looks like peer pressure. It looks like, in some cases, perfectionism. It looks like overthinking. It looks like codependency. The fear of man working against that resurrection power. Come on, somebody. You awake with me this morning? So you have a pretty good idea on the difference between the fear of God and the fear of man, right? Okay, so if you hear that and you're reading it, you'll be like, oh, okay. It's not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be scared. That's not supposed to be like, whoa. Like, I didn't get her permission to say this, but I'm going to tell you. Because um, we family. We family. No, I'm not going to pick on Pastor Mia. No. But if, 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 if Ice Cube were to walk in those doors right now. I, <laughs> I have a family member who would get stuck in her tracks. Because, I mean, Ice Cube is a big deal. It's that kind of, if not greater than what it would be for Ice Cube, but it's that, like, God. God. Um, and you're probably familiar with uh, parts in the scripture where uh, Jesus does something. He gives somebody a, uh, a direction they're not used to, like with Peter. Peter, cast your nets on the other side. Peter's like, Lord, we already done that. It ain't going to work. We're putting our, uh, putting our boat away. He's like, go out, cast your nets on the other side. <laughs> was that like real black right there? It's like, two, was that, was that, uh, well, hey, look. Yes. So, so, so he was, cast your nets on the other side. And so, 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 you know, Peter, Peter does it, and they get this big old grip. They got this grip, and they had to call other boats and stuff. Come help me. The fish is so much. It's so much. It's so much. And, and, and Peter, recognizing, he gets this revelation of God's wisdom, God's care. And he just falls to his knees. Oh, wow. This is amazing. I didn't know you knew things like this. You're not a fisher. But, but, but it's that type of awe and wonder. You know, when you're looking up at the mountains, you'd be like, you know there's a God. All of creation, the heavens are telling of God and his glory. That kind of, that kind of awe, that kind of awe and wonder. So now, when you read the scriptures, you can see Jesus finding ways out of the fear of man and keeping in that reverent awe of God. Whew. It's a trip. Sometimes you're reading the scriptures and you're feeling for Jesus. You're feeling for him. There'll be times when you're going to see Jesus in the scripture and he has all this pressure surrounding him. And he says nothing at all when being questioned or accused. That's not what a, that's not what a people pleaser does. Jesus got real silent. <laughs> then there's that time when his close friend, somebody say close friend. Some, somebody say your ace. Yeah, you go, my ride or die. 
Some of y'all don't know that. Uh, then there's that time when his right or die Peter tried to stop him from going to the cross. And Jesus rebuked his friend in that moment and called him by the name of the spirit that came on Peter. Call Peter adversary, Satan, opponent. Can you imagine telling your best friend, get behind me, Satan? Those would be fighting words. He could have said, Jesus, all you could have said was no thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was like, get behind me. Because Jesus was aware of all that pressure around him. He's at this stage in his journey, in his ministry, where he was aware of all these expectations pulling on him. All these uh, expectations to perform. And he, he, he rebuked his friend. Jesus had the, the three close friends. He had the uh, 12 disciples. He had the 70. He had the 120. He had the multitude. He had religious leaders. He had family and family of friends and friends of family all working to push at various times to get these agendas through on his life and on his ministry. Some people were trying to get Jesus to overthrow the government, stage a coup. Some people were trying to get Jesus to join our club. Jesus, join our club. We won't hate on you anymore. <laughs> but Jesus stayed steady in the work that the Father had sent him to do. Somebody say, stay steady. Stay steady. When Pontius Pilate was given the chance to free Jesus, Pontius Pilate buckled under the pressure of public opinion. He said, I wash my hands. Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. But because of that public opinion, because of those people yelling, free the other person, Pontius Pilate said, oh, that's not on me. I'm just trying to make y'all happy. Okay. Rather than obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, we have to be so mindful We have to be so mindful to not avoid unpleasant interactions. Rather than obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, we opt to avoid. We opt to avoid unpleasant interactions. It's easier to heed the fear of man sometimes than it is to invite the possibility of consequences. Ooh, you want to worship? Invite them consequences in your life. You've been bought with a price. I am a living sacrifice. Show me. I'm going to prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. I'm going to do it with my life and my life decisions and my, and my choices. I like the way Peter said it. You know, boy, I love how the scripture tells about Peter. Peter has some real moments like me and you. Some minutes Peter is just on the money. And then other minutes it's like, Peter, take your foot out your mouth. <laughs> but in this one, Peter had this moment. When he, uh, when he and the other apostles were ordered to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter said, we must obey God rather than men. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. That's an ax. The first disciples that we read about, that we see, they didn't allow the fear of man to keep them from doing what God had called them to do. They didn't. And we need more of that spirit today. We need more of that spirit today. Is there a good amen in here somewhere? Yeah. Uh, the fear of man has replaced what, what, what we've been calling biblical authenticity. 
public opinion has overwritten the clear teaching of scripture on many social issues. Public opinion. The unhealthy desire to be viewed by the world as progressive, enlightened, tolerant, or politically correct, woke, is a snare Satan has used to reel people into his way of thinking. What'd you say, babe? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Pastor Mia, there you go. That's a quotable for the day. <laughs> Cancel culture. It's just another way of peer pressure. Oh, it's so sad. The need to be liked and accepted has become more important than the word of God to many professing believers. While Christians should always be sensitive. Somebody say sensitive. Be sensitive to current social issues and be compassionate and kind to all. Uh, that's not supposed to, the fear of man is not supposed to determine our course. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I can read. I've read it in the book. I know what it say. Now I'm going to be compassionate and kind, but I know what it say. Thousands of martyrs could have avoided death. Thousands could have, could have avoided death had they only remained silent about their loyalty to Christ. You think about this? If they just wouldn't have said nothing. If they had allowed the fear of man to silence them, they may have won the world's applause. But lost heavens. Oh, I was, I was coming up my own and say, you be careful who's applauding you. Be careful who's cheering you on. Might not mean what you think it means. Oh. Y'all probably want to know if you're a people pleaser, right? That was a big old resounding yes. I heard it in the room. Uh, I'm glad, well, I'm glad you want to know. Because I, I created a combination of three different resources from Psychology Today, How We Love Chapter 6, and this wonderful book called When God is Small and People Are Big. That's is so good. It's so good. So let's just take a quick assessment moment. Let's take a quick assess assessment moment. This is from Psychology Today. Um, you or someone you know and love might be dealing with the fear of man, the disease to please people-pleasing if, number one, you pretend to agree with everyone. Number two, you feel responsible for how other people feel. You apologize often. Are you just be thinking of yourself? Are you thinking of people at certain times? Because I'm just thinking of, whoa. You feel burdened by the things you have to do. You're in charge of how you spend your time, but if you're a people pleaser, there's a good chance your schedule is filled with activities that you think other people want you to do. You can't say no. People pleasers don't say no. You feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you. You act like the people around you. It's natural for different parts of a personality come out depending on who you're around. But people pleasers often sabotage their own goals. Sabotage their own goals. 
well, wait, I'm a very important person. I can't be sabotaging my own goals. Number eight, you need praise to feel good. If your self-worth rests entirely on what others think about you, you only feel good when others shower you with compliments. You go to great lengths to avoid conflict, number nine. Number ten, you don't admit when your feelings are hurt. Okay, on this one, you can just answer true or false to yourself. Um, then these are always available on YouTube. You can go back and look at it if you want to. Um, this one's from How We Love. I am usually the giver in relationships. I'm usually the giver in relationships. I am good at keeping the peace. I find I am able to anticipate the needs of my spouse and meet them. Sometimes I'm dishonest in order to avoid conflict. I am afraid of making my spouse upset or angry. When there is conflict, I'll give in just to get it over with. I don't like to be alone. It really upsets me when I feel someone is mad at me. When someone requests my help, I have trouble saying no, so I sometimes find myself overcommitted and stressed. I had a very critical and or angry parent, and I tried very hard to win his or her approval. Sometimes I get mad, but I usually don't show it. I had a parent who never stood up for himself or herself, but passively accepted poor treatment. When I sense others are dis distancing themselves from me, I try harder to win them back. I am on the cautious side. I definitely wouldn't call myself a risk taker. I had an overprotective parent who worried a lot. Okay. And these last two quotes are from that book I mentioned earlier, When God is Small and People Are Big. So if you're thinking about next steps, you'll be like, I'm going to pick that book up too. In addition to how we love, get some freedom. Check out this quote. Unless you understand the biblical parameters of marital commitment, your spouse will become the one you fear. I could just drop the mic and go home right now. <laughs> if self-esteem is a recurring theme for you, chances are that your life revolves around what others think. Major. Now, I don't know where, uh, where all that landed with you. Um, I see some stuff um, in me over the years. I mean, we could get together and talk about the stupid, right? Um, but maybe you saw some things you need to lean into and check on. Maybe you're like, oh, why is he reading my mail? I'm not, I'm not trying to. Not like that. I want you to be liberated. I want you to walk in the assignment and in calling of being a very important person. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. We're in this, we're in this together. Now, if nothing on this list hit you, we're going to look at narcissism in a few weeks. <laughs> okay, okay, reel it in. Seriously. <laughs> you are too important to be wasting your time worrying about other people's opinions of you. You're too important. Let God's opinion of you motivate you. If God be for you, that's right. Who can be, who can be against you? A few weeks back, we shared a message called Watch Your Mouth where we really encouraged us to pay attention to the things that we're saying about ourselves that God has already said about us. 
I want to encourage you in that. Stay intentional. Stay intentional, not just reading it, but actually speaking it. Speaking what God says about you. It'll, it'll, when your heart lines up with his heart on that, you're going to find that things aren't as crazy. Things aren't as difficult. Because we are agreeing with God about what he says. What he says. Somebody say he says. About us. Can you think of how much time you've wasted trying to make people happy? Ooh. Oh, it's real. You can't make everybody happy. You have to start with God and keep your eye on God. He will lead you in wholeness. He'll lead you in the right direction. He'll lead you in healthy relating. He'll lead you in helpful, holy relating. Keeping your eye on God don't mean you a jerk to other people. Give me a big amen right there. Amen. I don't want us to be that church. Well, they're, they're, so, they're looking at God, but they sure are unkind and rude. It's like, what? That's not Jesus. Keeping our eye on God, one of the things you're working with when you're working with resurrection power is getting skillful at how to relate with people when you know the truth. Being skillful in your ministry to others so that people know, hey, I, I love you. Hey, it's not a, it's something personal, but I'm going to have to do what God's given me to do. I love you. I like you. I just don't agree with you. But I don't have to be a jerk to you or, or, or anybody else. Think about how many opportunities you've passed up because you didn't want to go against a certain political ideology. That's peer pressure. You won't raise your hands in worship sometimes because of someone might say about you. Maybe you won't pray for someone because of what somebody might of what someone might say about you. You won't make disciples because you don't want to offend somebody. No. You won't take that class or do that dance. Somebody shout, "Lord! Lord deliver, me deliver me from people." Oh, one more time. Lord, Lord deliver, me deliver me from people. From people. I almost feel like dancing. <laughs> Woo! You're going you to make it worse, huh? <laughs> deliver me from people. Deliver me from the fear of man. Deliver me. Y'all repeat after me. Deliver me from the fear of man. Boy, I tell you what, Anthony Raglan was in the spirit. He was singing this morning. I said, he doesn't even know what the message is. And he's right on the money. Because our eyes have to be on Jesus. You had no idea, but it's about keeping our eyes Really on Jesus and what his will and his intention is. His love is. I want God to be big and I want people to just be people. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what. Oh, my goodness. Something is stirring in here. Man, I know it's stirring because I got a movie quote for you, Jin Jin. <laughs> With great power comes great. Amen. With resurrection power comes. I invite you to stand with me.
Somebody shout, I'm VIP. I'm VIP. Say it again. When you were a child, when you were a child, the scripture says you did childish things. But today in 2022, this Easter, let's leave the fear of man behind. Somebody shout, I'm VIP. I'm VIP. Say it again. Generations are tied to your fear of the Lord. Oh, uh, let this sink in. I said generations, hallelujah, are tied, hallelujah, to your fear of the Lord. Your children's children are tied to your fear of the Lord. Nations are tied to your fear of the Lord. People in every sphere of your life are tied to your fear of the Lord. Somebody shout, I'm VIP. Say it again. Answered prayers are tied to your fear of the Lord. Answered prayers. Miracles are tied to your fear of the Lord. Somebody shout, I'm VIP. One more time. Innovation is tied to your fear of the Lord. Oh, it hadn't been created yet. You hadn't leaned in quite yet, but you're going to produce it. Innovation is tied to your fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. When God sent you here, he sent you here as a living, walking solution to so many problems. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Breakthrough in every sector is tied to your fear of the Lord. Being in awe of one. Oh, God, how do you see? What do you think? I want your heart. I want to bring solution. I want to be the one who blesses because you gave it to me. Oh, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want your love to flow through me. Somebody shout, I'm VIP. Yeah, I hope that you find yourself in a situation where you have to remind yourself that you're a very important person to God. Oh, it's so easy to minimize. It's so easy to say, oh, not me, not this. But that's not how God sees you. He says he formed you in your mother's womb. He knit you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, he takes great care, and he is precious about you and toward you. Every hair on your head is numbered. You are VIP. You are VIP. If he looks over at the sparrow, how much more? (laughs) How much more does he care for you? (laughs) And he proved it when he got on a cross. Who for the joy set before him. He was thinking about Shahid. He was thinking about Kanawa. He was thinking about... Oh, David, he was thinking about Ethan. He was, he pressed on, he said, oh, they're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth it. Somebody shout, I'm VIP. You are very important. You are a very important person to God, to Jesus and Holy Spirit. I don't know what you have to do to remind yourself, but I'm trying to get you started to reminding yourself. We tried to say it like 10 times so that maybe you find yourself in a situation and you're like that prodigal son who had wandered afar off from his father's house and he was down in the slop and he was down with the pigs and he was settling for a horrible life. And then within himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father's house. He recognized my father loves me. (laughs) I'm not settling because he loves me. (laughs) I will arise and go to my father's house. I pray, I pray you do whatever you got to do to remind yourself. 
of how precious you are to God. The scripture calls you his treasured possession. When he looks at you, he looks at you with affection and kindness. Oh, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, you are a very important person where you live, work, learn, and play. In your marriage with your kids, your nieces and nephews. Come on, y'all. You are a very important person to this church and God's kingdom. Oh, you are a very important person. <laughs> Somebody shout, I'm VIP. Better shout it again. Now, we're going to sing a prayer that is one of Jesus' purpose statements. Jesus gave his life and resurrected to create the church, as we sang earlier. The gates of hell shall not prevail against, against his church. Jesus is our hope. As long as his church is doing its job, the hope of God continues to shine. The forgiveness of God shines. The holiness of God shines. Jesus shines. Hallelujah. Check out what Jesus said here. This is only one verse of it, but uh, I'll read it, then i explain it. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter had one of these really good friend moments, really good friend moment right here with Peter. And Peter says, you are the living God. You are the Messiah. Jesus was asking, who do people say I am? Peter said, you are the Son of God, you are the Messiah. Jesus said, Peter, you got that from heaven. You got that from God the Father. And Jesus said, on that truth that he is the Messiah, that he is the risen one, that he is our living hope, he said, I'm going to build a church, and there's not any devil in hell that will be able to stop it. The part we play in cooperating with him is when we recognize I'm a very important person. I'm VIP. I'm VIP. I hope you joke about this as much as you can today and tomorrow and get it in your spirit. That's my Texan coming out. Get in your spirit. Get in your spirit. With that being said, let's sing this prayer and make this and make this declaration this Easter.